0: Anybody ready for the word? Shout amen. amen. Since you've been seated for a while, would you stand back up now? And uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10 for the reading of God's word and for prayer. Is that okay with everybody? Anybody love the word of God? We're just going to read God's word together. We're going to look carefully at his word. We're going to pray. Let the Holy Spirit just open some things up to us. Hebrews chapter 10. We've been in the series called Stirred Up, and uh, we're going to stir you up some more today. Okay? Everybody ready to be stirred up? All right? Beginning in verse 5. Therefore, read with me. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said... Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. Read that last line again. I have come to do your will, O God. Would you say that? Are you servants of the Lord Jesus? Say it out loud to the Lord. I have come to do your will, O God. You good with that? You good? I have come to do your will, O God. Verse 19, continuing in verse 19. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, keep reading, come on, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Say that last line, as you see the day approaching approaching. I was looking at that version as and all the more, so much more. How would you translate that? All the more and increasing with more fervency, with more urgency as you see the day approaching. Anybody excited about the day? Anybody excited about the day? I preached about this a little while, about the day of the Lord. Father, here we are in your presence and, and your word is sacred. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word to study, to read. Thank you, Lord, that you put your word in our hearts. Thank you. And now, Lord, as we break this bread, I pray that you would multiply it and you would feed this crowd in this room online. I pray that you would feed us and allow our lives to be changed. Holy Spirit, come. We can't do this without you. Holy Spirit, come. Anoint this servant, Lord. Anoint me, I pray. Use me. For your purpose today. And Lord, let our lives be transformed by your word. We are hungry. Shout it. We are hungry, Lord. We are hungry. Feed us. Feed us, Lord. We're so hungry. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I truly want to serve you well as your pastor. And I want you to overcome fear. It is an overwhelming world that we're living in, and I want you to be victorious. I want you to, I want your homes, I want your families to be victorious. I want in your relationships, I want you to prosper, but I want you to prosper even as your soul prospers. I want the prosperity of your life to be in relationship to your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions as you become more like the Lord Jesus. But mostly, listen, I really want to confirm your faith. I believe our faith needs to be confirmed. We, we need something more than simply being able to say, to, to say, yeah, I, I have faith. Yeah, I believe. I had, a, I had an accident this week. I fell. And uh, you notice I'm walking funny because I'm not. I'm walking just fine. I I fell into the baptistry back here I fell. I was working around back there, and the, the light was off, and, and something happened that I don't think has ever happened. Uh, we failed to, since last week, empty the water out of the baptistry. So here I am, dressed, and I take uh, I'm, I'm taking a step, and when I did, I said, "Oh no." And I moved back, both feet slipped, and I went down past my knees into the baptistry. And some of you saying, well, that's really weird. Like Sometimes I wonder whether or not some people got baptized or they just fell into the baptistry. I mean, it just seemed to be the thing. You tripped and fell. Somebody pushed you. said, you've got to get baptized. You've got to get baptized. Okay, I'll go get baptized. I, I don't see that in the Word of God. I mean, it's more like in the Word of God, it's more like... Uh, uh, is there, can I be baptized? Is there anything that would cause me not to be baptized? What is it going to take for me? John the Baptist, what's it going to take? Repent, repent, repent. You know, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes, I get to be baptized. But somehow in our culture, it's like, oops. And then I say, yeah, are you saying, well, I was baptized? That's not what I asked. You know, did you go into the water? Did you die to your flesh? Did you come out resurrected by the work of Jesus? Are you walking in the power of the Spirit? Were you baptized? Is a bigger statement. I want to confirm your faith. I know you've heard me tell the story. I went to a funeral years ago. And one of the members of the church at that time, her father had passed. And in Norfolk, there's this little church that we went to. Diane and I went. We, we slipped in, sat on the back row. The place was packed. And the, the minister finally got up and began to speak. And he said, uh, the man, he called his name, this man was a bad man. He was not a good man. He was a bad husband. He was a bad father. And then he shifted and he said, but God is good. Somebody thank God that he is good. Anybody thank God. Thank you, Lord, that he's good. I, that's not the only funeral I've been like that. to like that. I, I've been to other funerals. I was, I was at a funeral where uh, this the, the man had died and I was trying to find something nice. They wanted me to do the service. I, I get there and, and uh, you know, before, I, I won't go into all of it because it's, it's. I ought to write it sometime and just put it on the blog. I mean, it was that good, but but, you know, the daughter, you know, we're giving personal unity. The daughter stands up and says, uh, you know, uh, my dad was a, uh, and she started throwing four letter words out, just boom, boom, boom. He was this and that, and I'm just standing here going, <laughs> what, what do you want me to do? I don't know, find something good and send him to heaven, pastor, find find something good because I always ask, you know, and somebody reaches back in their back pocket and they say, well, you know, they were a Baptist when they were five. I I didn't say, that's not what I was talking about. What what are you supposed to do with this sort of thing? You know, it's like, I, I want, I just want to make sure I can find a pastor who can get me to heaven. You know, maybe we ought to go back to indulgences. Can you pay me enough to get your loved one into heaven? I don't think I have that. I don't think there's that much money in the world because Jesus is the one that paid the price. James chapter two and verse 18 reads this way. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. (laughs) You have faith and I have works. And then James goes on and says, show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. I love the sarcasm here. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. It's almost like saying this at least the demons tremble. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Did you hear that? The way he writes that? He says, Do you even want to know? Are you even interested in this fact that faith? without works is dead. It's dead faith. Dead faith accomplishes nothing. So do you even, does anybody want to know this? Anybody want to know? Somebody shout, I want to know. Shout it. Okay. You don't, I mean, I believe it. Come on. I want to know. I need to know this. And James goes on, and he explains this by speaking of Abraham, and he speaks of of Rahab. You know these individuals like Abraham, who uh, uh, was the beginning of the father of Israel. Abraham, who left his father's house at the word of God. He left his father's house, and when he went, when he came, uh, when he left his father's house, he brought Sarah uh, he was promised to be a great nation of Sarah. Sarah laughed when she heard the words because the message was that you will have a child and Sarah was already beyond the age of childbearing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, there are some women that say, if the doctors said, I think you're pregnant. They say, no, I'm not because I'm at this point. She was well beyond the age of childbearing. And he took her by faith and acted upon the word of God. Amen. Then Rahab. Rahab was called the harlot in James. She was a harlot and she uh, obeyed God. And by faith, she acted and took care of people. She took care of the spies uh, when they came to, to Jericho. She protected them and, and she made sure they got out safely and eventually she will be uh, blessed because she believed and trusted God, and she's not gonna be destroyed with Jericho. She'll become a great part of the nation of Israel. I'm saying this because this has been a a doctrinal dilemma. It seems that the most popular doctrine of the day is faith without transformation. It's the most popular doctrine of our nation right now. Faith without change, faith without works, faith without transformation. But, but here's something that we truly believe. How many believe the day of the Lord is approaching? Anybody believe that? The day of the Lord is approaching. Somebody smile at me and say that. The day of the Lord. Come on, anybody? I, I know I can't see it for your face mask, some of you, but the day of the Lord is approaching. He's coming. And as we look at what's going on in the world, We need to be careful regarding this. That's that Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur, how we stir up one another towards love and good deeds and and, and not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. We need to get together and encourage one another to do things, to love one another and do good things. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, we need to be careful that our thoughts are not twisted when I say this. Because when I say that, and I say the, the day of the Lord, some of us are just thinking about the wars and the rumors of wars and the blatantly sinful world. Yeah, things are getting bad. And then we say the day of the Lord is approaching, but that's not the way we say it. We say, the, we say things are getting bad, but the day of the Lord is approaching. The day of the Lord is coming. Yeah! I don't know if you hear what I'm talking about, The day of the Lord is a reason, here's what the scripture is teaching us. The day of the Lord is a reason for preparation and celebration. Preparation and celebration. You see, Jesus is excited about returning. Yes, he's excited about coming. You think Jesus said, I don't wanna go there. No, Jesus is excited about his day and what this day is speaking of. And he's excited because it's not. You say, well, the day of the Lord is the day of judgment. The day of the Lord is a day of wedding. The day of the Lord is a wedding day. My wife and I were married 14,269 days ago. 14,269 days seems like yesterday. And it sometimes seems like 14,269 days, she says. We waited after I asked her to marry me. We were boyfriend and girlfriend, but I I asked her to marry me. And then we waited 529 days until we met at the altar. Sounds like a lot of days, doesn't it? 529 days. I was so excited. She was so excited. And the closer we got to the day, the more excited we were and the more prepared we were because there was some things that had to be prepared, you know, like where are we going to live? What are we going to do? You know, I was in, I was, uh, finishing some education and she was, uh, uh, finishing some education, high school. And, uh, you say, well, that was a long time ago. Look, we've been married 39 years. Okay. So listen, listen, <clears throat> need to find a home, Needed to figure out how we're going to take care of each other. I was, uh, I was interviewing for a ministry opportunity and All of it, everything that we were doing, all of it was getting ready. We were setting ourselves up for a day when we would meet at an altar. Do you hear what I'm saying? For a wedding. And every culture has understood this reality. Because if you look at Scripture, the day of the Lord, if you look down through the Word of God, when we talk about the day of the Lord, it has always been about a covenant that is going to be consummated where we come together with the Lord. It's John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's wedding. It's wedding. In my father's house are many mansions. You're worried about where we live. I'm going to my father's house, preparing a place. I'm going to come and get you so that where I am there, you can be also. That's, that's what I'm doing. I'm coming back because we're going to the wedding. Ephesians 5, 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. you see this? So husbands love your wives, okay? But then he gives this example and reminds us about the day of the Lord that everything that Jesus did was so that we could live righteous And we could live obediently, and we could. Am I still getting amens? We could allow the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Or Revelation, uh, excuse me, uh, Revelation chapter 19. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with the fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? So who made the bride ready? The bride has made herself ready. Ready. Anybody read this before? What a beautiful idea. Anybody excited about the marriage supper of the Lamb? Anybody excited about that? Anybody excited about the wedding when finally Jesus comes and he takes us away and we get to be with him? Aren't you excited about that? Are you ready? Are you ready? No, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you getting ready? Are you saved? Are you being saved? Because some of us got saved and we quit. Well, I'm saved. I don't have to do anything. I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus. You never read the whole scripture. You never completed it. What are you doing? How are you living? Anybody believe a wedding is a holy event? Anybody believe it's supposed to be a holy event? And I know these days we just make it as promiscuous as we possibly can. But a wedding is a holy occasion. But we don't pay attention to that. I mean, our wedding is very Hollywood. It's, it's meet the parents. It's, it's the hangover. It's the bridesmaids. It's American wedding. It's wedding crashers, wedding planner, the wedding singer, or my big fat Greek wedding. It's, it's something like that. And I, I'm not saying those aren't funny, but it's not the one that Jesus is coming back for. See, our context, context is skewed. And we don't see marriage as a monumental and holy occasion that we prepare and save ourselves for. I'm not going to be, oh, help me, Jesus. I, I'm going to, I'm waiting on my groom to come back. The context of a wedding in an ancient Jewish tradition has some order to it, and so everybody understood this when Jesus was talking about it. Because first of all, it began with a marriage contract. Ah, I wish this would have happened. I wish this was still our tradition. When my daughter got married, my son-in-law would have gave me a bunch of money. It's called a dowry. You say, well, why would they do that? And why would? And some people say, I don't believe in arranging marriages and things. Okay, here's the deal: all marriages are arranged. I say, but what if I don't love them? Lots of marriages have happened where people didn't love each other. I'm, I'm getting on some really dangerous turf right here. You will, as you are married, learn to love each other more and more. You believe in arranged marriage? I want God to arrange a marriage between me, the church, and the Lord Jesus. Anybody believe in that? And I believe, honestly that the Lord gets into some of these details. Anybody believe these? I wanna just talk about marriage right now. But uh, the concept of the marriage contract is the dowry is the groom believes that she is worth so much that he blesses the family with a dowry. He says, she is so valuable. I am so grateful. And I'm making this investment in you because I know her coming into my home is going to leave such a vacuum in your house. So out of this contract, I'm going to bless the family. See you like it now don't you Some daddies are saying, "Wait, my little girl gets married, I'm going to expect a dowry." I don't know if it's going to work for you, but but literally it is a redemption. So so the husband provides redemption to the father Of the bride. Anybody see that? The husband gives a redemptive price. How does that work? Well, the father sent his son Jesus that, come on, that the price would be paid for our redemption. So the dowry speaks of a redemptive price. And then the preparation of the bride for the return of the bridegroom that is the time between when the price has been paid and then the bridegroom goes away. And during that time, the bride is preparing herself, perfecting herself, getting ready to go into this house and do life with this individual who loves her and has paid such a price. Amen. And then there is a sound that comes and the bridegroom comes into the city There's a torch lit parade into the city, and the groom is coming and his friends. That's why we set up weddings with, bride's groom, with br- the bridegroom and the groomsman and the bridesmaid and the br- and the bride and the bridesmaids. That's the reason. That's the whole metaphor of it, okay? So here comes the groom and they're shouting and they're celebrating with a shout, with a voice of the archangel and they come back and they go to the house and the bride has been waiting for the bridegroom to return. She knows he is about to come back and she's celebrating that he's coming and she's ready and the bride- Bridesmaids are also ready to go and attend with her. And they leave and they go to the marriage feast. That's the reception concept. The marriage feast lasts for days. It doesn't just last for a day. Remember the first miracle of the Lord Jesus was at a wedding feast. A wedding feast where they had been there and they would run out of wine. And the Lord said, let me... Or the Mary said, boy, I, son, I need you to go over there and do a miracle. It was his first miracle. It was his wedding. And guess what? He's going to do another miracle at another wedding. Amen. Amen. So in saying all of this, understand first, the church is the bride of Christ. Yes. We are the bride of Jesus. And what are we doing right now on the planet? We're preparing ourselves purifying ourselves, making ourselves beautiful for the day that he comes to take us home. But also Jesus is excited because he's coming back and he's receiving a spotless bride. Those who are the redeemed of the Lord, who are daily making themselves ready. So I want you to be cautious with some of your terminology on occasion. I, you know, because we just have this feeling that, you know, I'm saved by grace. Yes, you're saved by grace, but I want you to know that he has called you to prepare yourself for the return of the bridegroom. Anybody still in the room with me? So this is the message to the church and the world is watching. The, the message to the church we need to be dressed and ready for the return of the Lord somebody shout it, dressed and ready dressed and ready. be dressed and ready. dressed and ready Revelation 19 7, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen bright and pure for the fine linen you want to read that For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. The evidence that we are the church is our readiness. Hello? This isn't intended to frighten you. It's really just a a point that the bride of Christ... The church will be ready. You know, the average cost of a wedding dress today is $1,600. The average cost for a wedding dress is $1,600. We paid $99 for Diana's. 1981. Still got it. All right. Nine, 99 bucks. I don't, know, it's, I don't know if it's inflation or what. That's amazing for a dress that you're only going to wear one time though, isn't it? Couldn't you borrow one or something? But the context of a wedding dress is to cause the bride to be represented as the bride of Christ. The the wedding dress, the purpose of it is to celebrate the purity of the bride. Can I get an amen from someone? The idea behind that white gown. The thought of beauty. I mean, wow, that's a beautiful bride. The reason... That the bride is beautiful is because she has been purified and she has made herself ready. Purity, purity and readiness speaks of a life that is focused fully on the Lord. As our bridegroom that is returning fully on his word, fully on his promise, the, the bride realizes that Jesus has fully paid the redemption by his precious blood and that the bride has truly accepted the proposal of the bridegroom. So if you believe in your heart the message of the bridegroom and accept him as the Lord of your life, you will be saved, but he will come then and take you to the Father's house. Anybody want to go to the Father's house one day? And are you ready? I'm thankful for the work of Christ. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be white as snow. I'm also thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit where the word of God, the laws of God are written upon my heart. And I know that we have been broken because our brokenness has been passed down generationally into our lives. But sometimes we just ignore it and say, well, that's just the way I am. I'm just cursed. And no, make yourself ready. Look at the message of grace. Anybody read it in Ephesians 2? I've already alluded to it. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith. Anybody remember that word? Faith. I'm saved through faith. And that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. My salvation is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one could boast. Now read the next line. For we are his workmanship. So works were involved in you being here. God worked it out and he has a plan and a purpose for your life we are his workmanship we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works we're not saved by works but we're saved to work which God had ordained that we should walk in them so he worked on us and we work for him don't just get dressed for church Get ready for Jesus. Anybody understand? I mean, sometimes oh, pretty at church, but the point is, are we ready for the bridegroom? Get dressed and ready. Dressed up in his grace, dressed up in faith, and therefore dressed up in godliness, dressed up in righteousness, dressed up in good works. Do you see this teaching? Saved by grace unto good works. And you see that teaching in Hebrews there? Hebrews 10 and 24. Let us consider how we can spread one another toward love and good deeds. In other words, good works. Let us not give up meeting together. Don't drop out of being a part of the church as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other and all the more as you see Jesus coming back. As you see the bridegroom, it's is not just about me. We are the church of the Lord Jesus. We are beautifying one another. We are helping one another. Encouraging. Don't you be speaking To me. Don't you be judging me. Listen, I want you to be pretty. I want you to be beautiful. Come on, pastor, love us, but don't hold us accountable. Please. Don't tell us the truth. Don't call me on the phone and say, you know, I just saw this and I was just wondering, is this the truth? Because I know, you know, listen, there's nothing that will cause me not to love you. Do you hear that? And I will love you so much, I will tell you the truth. Amen. You want that? Or do we just go and play this thing the rest of our lives? Are we just going to... And then Jesus comes back and you know that parable of, the, of, the, uh, of the, the virgins, you know, the bridesmaids whose lamps were not trimmed. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want us to be ready. Last week, I was just stirred up Regarding this, and we talked about that, and things came to my heart, and you know, I, things that I want to do. I want to feed a thousand. I want to find greater ways to reach and disciple. I want, I want to, I want to show you God's purpose and His vision. I want to make sure that we we move you in the right direction. I'm absolutely committed to this. I want to move us to godliness. Anybody with me on this? I want us to walk righteous and sinless. You see, good works are the love offerings of believers, righteous acts, living sacrifice. Good works are our edifying example to our fellow believers. Good works are the means by which we minister to the needs of our fellow believers. Good works encompass every aspect of our thinking and our conduct. It's that that checks us in our heart on occasion. Don't think I'll do that. You know, good works. Let me tell you, it will fix that mess that you're putting on your social media page. It will. It will cause you to stop being so mean all the time. And you'll start speaking love and grace and truth. Anybody understand what I'm saying? Good works. There are high responsibility as the body of Christ. Please open up your heart to this teaching. Would you do that? Open up your heart. Open up your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, help me open up my heart. Open up my heart. Because we are in a culture that wants permission rather than God's mission. We actually, I've heard people come to me and they say, Pastor, you know, I don't see anything in the Bible that tells me that this is wrong. And I want to say, you mean you actually have to look in the Bible for that? Evidently, Holy Spirit was already speaking to you in your heart. I'm going to tell you, just because it's in the, not in the Bible the way you want to see it does not mean that God is permissive. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you this in Scripture. You know, as your pastor, I relate to the struggle of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. He says, I'm jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Next line. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. And I want you to look at that and I want you to consider it. okay? Because I struggle when I see God's people getting sucked into evil because it seems good. Sucked into a life without any sacrifice. Now notice what he says. Just as Eve was deceived. D- 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 deceived. Let me explain this to you. Because sometimes when I see the serpent, you say, well, why? why a serpent? Because the enemy loves to masquerade. Did you know that Satan is a master of disguise? The enemy is dressed up. That's what the Bible says. And in verse 14, he speaks of workers and liars. He says, there are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. So just because somebody says they're an apostle does not mean they're an apostle. Just because somebody prophesies to you and the prophecy comes to pass does not mean that they're a prophet of God. Okay? You understand that? It is a possibility, hear me, for you to go to madam so-and-so and give her your money and sit down with her tarot cards and crystal balls and she will say something and you'll go, what? How did you know? Because she's of the devil. Yes? All right? Don't be impressed. Even if somebody does something good and leads you astray, that's the word of God. That's what the Bible. I have personally experienced some of that by people who said they were prophets. Who tried to destroy my life. Listen to what I'm telling you. He says this. Deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get their punishment their wicked deeds deserve. They will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. So catch what I'm saying. The enemy, Satan, disguises himself as an angel of light. So what happens is if you are tempted to stray away from the truth by believing that you, you would be tempted to stray away from the truth by believing that the truth is a lie and that a lie is the truth. And there are times anybody want to agree with this? There are times in your life where you have been tempted to believe that the truth was a lie. And that a lie was the truth. By believing that overcoming the urgings of our flesh is not necessary. Because I have to decide what is good for me, what is righteous. I have to decide that and I'm going to be the best version of myself for myself. And nobody can tell me anything. Do you hear that? Do you hear the wave? It's like a wind blowing across our culture right now. Don't let anybody believe that you have to change. Listen, I want to tell you something about myself. I am not as beautiful as I am going to be. And when I came to Christ, I was not beautiful just as I am. I needed to be transformed by the work of the Lord Jesus. And I am being made beautiful. You say, no, Pastor, you're getting old. You ain't pretty. You ain't seen how pretty I'm going to be yet. I'm getting more beautiful as I surrender and sacrifice and work for the Lord. And I sacrifice myself when I could have had this, but I deny it because I belong to Jesus and He's coming back. I become more radiant. We become more radiant. Looking good, Pastor. You ain't seen nothing yet ain't seen nothing. How beautiful was the apostle Paul as he laid there in a prison cell with a pen in his hand, writing out the books of the epistles, writing to the churches that became the word of God. How beautiful was he when they walked him to a a place of execution and he would not deny Christ as they took off his head and his word just erupted all through the nations. How beautiful when the Lord Jesus laid down his own will and said, not my will, but yours be done. There's nothing wrong with it, Jesus. Just go the other way. No. He put me on this earth to be obedient and to walk righteously and to fulfill his plan. This is evident in the preachers and leaders of our country who should follow the truth, but in the name of pleasing people, in the name of doing the right thing, Hello, Supreme Court. In the name of... I'll preach. I'm sorry. No, I'm not apologizing. I'm just just getting prettier as I preach right now. In the name of doing the right thing, being acceptable to everyone, they listen to that which seems right to a man. And we just get sucked into it. We just get sucked in. Sucked into it. How many? Anybody been there before? Anybody? Anybody? Get sucked into it. They listen to the enemy and are telling you that the wrong thing is the right thing. And as believers who don't want to offend anyone, we follow them and we teach our children to do the same thing. We teach our children. But again, look at the scripture. This is how it happened. I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Now you all remember the story, right? I don't have to go back to that story. It's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. You remember the story, okay? Now she ate of what tree? Of good and evil, okay? Now remember what the serpent said to her, really, seriously? God, look at this tree. It's good for eating. It's good to eat. Look at the fruit on the tree. You see, Eve was not looking at the evil side of the tree. She was looking at the good side. It's good and I'm hungry. It fills my stomach. I want some variety in my life and I've eaten all these other trees. God says, this is not what I I should have, but I'm looking at the good. There is a good side. How many know there can be a beautiful side to evil? Anybody know that? I remember that uh, reading that book years ago, uh, uh, The Beautiful Side of Evil. I remember reading it because people will get all caught up into things. I mean, how many times have I driven by Edgar Casey Center when I'm going down by the ocean front, and it's this big, nice building, and people get together, and they talk and all of that. It's because they decorated up to be so beautiful, and it might make you feel fulfilled in your life. That's what completes me. What I'm telling you is things that complete you in the flesh do not make you beautiful in the eyes of your groom. There are things that seem good and pleasant, but they're still not of God. It's good to love those who are broken. Anybody do that? We love people who are broken. And and people who are doing well in life even though they reject God's best, how many, you, how many got some people that you love? You love them dearly. I'm not going to stop loving you. But, but listen, don't take the bait. Amen. Don't take the bait. Don't take it. Don't take it. What seems good and right has been disguised by the angel of light as good. You're, you think you're doing good, but it's a lie. Could take that and apply it to all the social issues of our culture right now. Can I get an amen from somebody? Apply it to the social issues. Things that you are ignoring. I'm not asking you to go to war against broken people. I'm asking you to make sure you don't eat of the same tree that Eve ate of. Because we are the body, the bride of Christ. Ah, Praise Jesus. Praise God! We need to dress for success. I got. L- let me. Let me just. Let me. Let me move further. How should we dress ourselves to be beautiful? One, you need to dress yourself in the Word of God. Yes. Yes. The Word of God. Yes. Dress yourself in the Word. Jesus answered this. Read this with me. It is written. Read this with me. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. All right. Who did he say that to? said it to Satan and he's quoting he's quoting uh, the Old Testament uh, man shall not live by bread alone now the setting Jesus has not eaten for 40 days he is in deep communion with the Father he is in the wilderness has been tempted by the enemy this is the same temptation as the temptation of Eve he is sitting in the wilderness he is hungry And he says, you're the son of God. Tell these stones to be made into bread. Okay? Tell these stones to be made into bread. You're hungry. What's wrong with that? There's nothing in the Bible that says you can't turn stones into bread. There's nothing there, is there? What's he really doing? What is the enemy doing? He's trying to break the relationship between the father and the son and to get him to walk in obedience to the angel of light. The angel disguised as, as an angel of light. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you, do you understand? Do you understand? So Jesus says, there are more important things than me eating bread right now. And that is that I seek the Father with all of my heart. Have you ever heard that concept that if you seek the Lord with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, if you seek the Lord, you will find Him. If you go after God, you will find God. Anybody receive that? I want to find Him, seek Him. But there are things in my life, and I know it's not a sin. I didn't ask if it was a sin. I said, are you biting into something that the enemy has deceived you with. Now, this is, this is just the way the enemy works. What is it doing to your relationship with the Father? And I know I'm talking about food rather than clo- or clothes, but I, how is it that you can lose your ability to recognize that you are starving to death? Do you know it's a possibility to not recognize that you need food? And if you don't have a certain amount of food, your body will cannibalize itself. Okay? So, some of you are living on John three sixteen. It's the only Bible verse you know. Okay? It's not enough. 1 Peter 2 and 2. Just as newborn infants cry out for milk, Christ's spiritual infants long for the pure spiritual milk. The Word of God. Shout it. The Word of God of God. Okay, is there anybody in this room that has ever had a baby in your house? An infant. Has anybody ever brought a newborn home? Okay, you've done this. Okay. Is it not amazing that that precious baby that you bring home at 2.30 in the morning will release screams in the decibels of a police siren? <laughs> <laughs> And you know exactly what's going on because they told you at certain times you're going to have to feed the baby. Why are you going to have to feed the baby? Because the baby is hungry and an infant knows how to get your attention. I need pure spiritual milk. That's what I need. I know I look all grown up, but I am growing up, all right? I'm growing up. And if I do not receive the word of God, if I don't receive the word of God, I will starve. I need it. You say, what are we doing here right now? Pastor, why are you preaching so long? You need the word of God. You listen to lies and deception all week long. You need the word of God. Stay online. Listen to what I'm saying. You need the word. You say, no, what I need is more of this. I know you need what I'm teaching you. You need to take notes. You need to go home and talk about it. You need to pray about it because without it, you will stop and die this is not a social event even though there's some socializing going on but here we are getting spiritually close even though we're socially distant Jesus how do you get dressed and ready for the coming of the Lord I'm going to wrap this up I'm finishing up Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. How many have ever read this scripture before? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Read it with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. What are you supposed to do with the armor of God? What are you supposed to do? Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. How many believe the word of God is true? So if that is true, what should you do? Put on the armor of God. And when you do, you will be beautiful. You'll be able to compare an, a demon in disguise to the truth. Man. Jesus. So, Pastor, how do I do it? This is, this is too easy. This is more, more simple than you think. Pastor, put the armor on me. I can't put the armor on you. You're going to have to put it on Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. How? Stand firm then with the belt of truth. Wait. With the breastplate of righteousness. What? Righteousness? Righteous works? The truth, the word of God? With your feet? Fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Are you still here? In addition to this, take up the shield of faith. My faith, my faith, not dead faith, but living faith, faith that is not without works, faith with works, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows. What are the flaming arrows? It's the deception and the lies of the enemy. And then take the helmet. In case you didn't realize that the truth was the Word of God, in case you didn't realize the rest, put the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus. You better stand up so I can finish. And make sure you have your communion ready. So I'm going to give you some challenges today. All right? Some things I want you to do. They're going to sound like good works. How many believe faith is practical? Anybody believe that? Some people think faith is just a mist that is around us. No. Faith is practical. It is practical. Let me ask you, what's going on in your righteous life? What's going on? What's happening? Here's some things I want to call you to. I want you to read the Word of God this week. The whole Bible. Okay, you might not be able to read the whole Bible, but I want you to read it. I don't want you to read it in verses. I want you to read it in chapters, okay? I want you to read the Bible in chapters. You should finish one of the 66 books this week if you read the Word of God. Is that okay? Anybody with me? Pastor, you're sounding legalistic. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus because that is a deception of the enemy. I want you to read. What are you going to do? Read the word of God. I want you to study the word of God. As you're reading, underlying things. I don't understand what that means. And then go find out. Okay? And I want you to pray three times a day. Three times. And I'm not saying, hey God, I'm going to work. See you when I get home. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, find a place where you can sit down and get alone with God three times a day. Three times a day. Go to your bed. Kneel down. Go to your backyard. Go to the park. Whatever you got to do. But find Three three times. Your car might be a really good place. Okay? Three times. You might need to make one of those times like a family gathering. And then you hold each other accountable. How's your prayer life going? Three times. Somebody say three times. Man, I don't think, Pastor, now you're just giving us orders and stuff. Isn't the devil deceptive? I'm about to get you armed in the armor of the Lord and all you have is an argument about why you can't. Your kids are going to have to study at home for school and they're going to look at you and say, I just don't want to do this right now. You're going to say, this is important. you got to do it. You're just legalistic, Mom. Come on. The living word of God and three times a day and then I want you to live out good works. I want you to find things to do for the Lord. I want you to call people that you have not seen in church. I I want you to encourage people. Listen, I want you, I dare you, triple, quadruple, dare you to take the word of God and post it on your social media page. What? There's too many other things more important. You've been listening to the devil. I want you to live out your good works I want you to give to somebody that's in need I want you to serve somebody that is in need I want you to live out your faith. I want you to pray for somebody you don't want to pray for I want you to pray. I want you to forgive somebody on purpose and make a point of it I want you to live out your faith faith I want you to stop sin. I want you to stop greed. I want you to stop arguing. I want you to stop fussing. I want you to stop constantly being in one another's face. I want you to expect blessing. I want you to listen to the Lord regarding your struggles. I want you to get His direction. I want you to overcome your fear by the power of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you not to be afraid, and I can pray for you, but I cannot dress you. You're going to have to dress yourself. I want you to get ready for the return of the Lord Jesus. I'm getting you ready. You see, pastor, what are you doing? I'm getting you ready for the supper. We're going to receive communion right now, okay? And when you open up your communion and get it in your hands, I want you to know that it is representative of the Lord Jesus. But also, the early church would say, it is also representative of the wedding supper of the Lamb. When one day, listen, one day, I'm going to sit down. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, I'm not going to eat this with you again until I eat eat with you in the Holy of Holies in the heavens until I come and take you back to be with me I'm not going to do this again listen you've got the bread you've got the cup anybody excited about the return of the Lord anybody excited hey the bridegroom's coming the day of the Lord is at hand the bridegroom hallelujah come on take the bread get the bread in your hand get the cup in your hand I am a partaker of the body of Christ. I reject sin. I'm ready to follow Christ. Anybody with me? I I have no bitterness. I, I refuse bitterness. I forgive those who have hurt me. You ready? I am a part of Christ and Christ is a part of me. We are the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Receive the bread. The body of Christ. The cup. What is the cup? What is the cup? What is the cup? The blood of who? Blood of Christ. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the new covenant. Jesus said, My blood poured out for you. I am a recipient of the blood of Christ. How can I receive this and this and then walk in the ways of deceit? I choose the bridegroom. You choose the bridegroom, receive the cup. Jesus, 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 I thank you. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's give praise to the Lord. Let's praise him. I don't know what's going to happen this week. I don't know what's going to be said. I don't know. But I'm going to be beautiful. Somebody say it. I'm going to be beautiful. I'm going to prepare myself. I reject godlessness. I choose to follow Christ with all of my heart. Somebody say good works. Say it. Good works. I'm going to work for the Lord Jesus. I'm going to serve. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to pray. you receive that? If you need prayer today, If you need somebody to minister to you and pray for you today, the right side of this platform, you can see the angle, the right side of this platform is here for you. If you would like someone to meet you here and to pray for your needs, just come and stand. Make some separation between you as you come and stand. And prayer workers will meet you there. How many are going to go home and pray? Anybody? How many is going to read the Word? Anybody going to read the Bible? Seek the Lord. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Go in the peace of the Lord. Go be beautiful. You are dismissed when you choose. Sing, sing. Do one prayer. Meet us here.